This is Dave, and I'm here with Ethan, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2008 Weird Al Podcast, episode 98-inch. On this week's episode, we interview Trevor Strong of the legendary comedy music trio, The Arrogant Worms. It's Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al Podcast. It's a podcast about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al Podcast. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. You don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Oh, hey, Dave. Wow, I feel like it's been like a week since we last talked. Well, not quite. Don't you remember what happened on Sunday? Yes, you're right. The greatest Weird Al podcast in the world released a special bonus episode. Right, and you know what that special bonus episode, Headline News Special Report number four, was all about? Well, it's it's on my list. I I mean, I still have to listen to Headline News Special Report number three. What? Like, that came out in October 2020. I said it's on my list. Well, you're on that episode, but just in case, the big news this week, it finally happened. At the 63rd Grammy Awards this past Sunday, Jim Kimo West won his first ever Grammy Award. Oh, that's right! That is the most pretty stinking majestic news ever! His album, More Guitar Stories, won the Grammy Award for Best New Age Album, beating out albums by Laurie Anderson, Tenzin Chigiya, and Jesse Paris-Smith, Corey Wong and Jean Baptiste, Priya Darshini, and Superposition. Now, unfortunately, Jim's audio was not working when he went to give his acceptance speech, but Jim recorded his speech anyway and posted it online. So let's take a listen. Wow, this is an amazing honor. Uh, thank you to the Academy. And uh, first of all, I'd like to say mahalo nui loa to the other nominees for creating such, such beautiful art. Uh, I want to say thank you to the amazing musicians who played on this record. Jimmy Johnson, M.B. Gordy, Charlie Bicharette, Dan Lutz, Ben Powell, T.J. Troy, Simone Vitucci, and Jake Erdogan. Also, mahalo to my graphic designer, Maka Alaporth. Um, I'd like to shout out to the amazing indie music community and my uh, Slack Key Ohana. Um, thank you all for spreading peace and beauty and aloha throughout the world. The world uh, thanks you for that. Aloha. From all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al podcast, Jim, congratulations. Haomakai! On the first of what we predict will be many, many, many future Grammy Award wins. Now, aside from that incredible news about Jim, Dave, did you have a good week? I mean, you look extra weird and smiley today. I sure did. And thanks for noticing. I am thrilled. It's <laughs> so great. Well, I mean, are you still happy and buzzing that you got to see one of your all-time favorite bands, The Arrogant Worms, perform a free virtual concert on Saturday? Yeah, that was so much fun, and I'm so thrilled that they actually played a few of my request songs as well, but there's more. Well, obviously, you must just be so excited to talk to this week's guest, Trevor Strong from The Arrogant Worms. Oh, I definitely am. I cannot wait to get to that, and I cannot wait to get to our big announcement that will follow the interview. Okay, so that's not it. Hmm... Oh, I've got it. I, I know. You must have just had so much fun at the virtual MarsCon this weekend. 
Yeah, I did. You know, I caught a few acts here and there. Luke Ski throwing toasters and a few others. I mean, shout out to Luke Ski for putting on such a fun event. But, you know, that's still not everything that I'm so happy about. Oh, of course, Sunday was Pi Day. I know you like Pi Day. Oh, you know it. You know, with Pi being my secret most favorite number ever, and me being such a math nerd, I definitely enjoyed that day. But that's not it. Um, hmm... Well, I, I have to assume your Ides of March went well. You know, you didn't get stabbed by an angry mob or anything, did you? Oh, no, I managed to totally avoid them this year. I know. I bet your Stone Cold Steve Austin Day went well. That's why you're so happy. Well, yeah. And how do you know about Stone Cold Steve Austin? I thought you didn't follow professional wrestling. He's a professional wrestler? Uh, okay, okay, let me guess. Your Rusev day went really, really, really well. Well, it always does, but now this is just getting a little weird with all the professional wrestling references. But you know what, Ethan? There is more. Okay, fine! I, I, I give up, Dave! Besides all that great stuff that happened, why was your week so good, and why are you all weird and smiley? I thought you would never ask. I am happy because it's only March and we have already fulfilled our contractual obligation to have at least one guest named Dave or David on the podcast each calendar year. You know, last week on episode 97 inch, of course, we spoke with Dave Foots Footman. He's an amazing guy and he worked on the film UHF and he even helped build the Wheel of Fish. Uh, not this again. I don't even know why I ever agreed to that contract. Well, Foots joins the ranks of other great guests we've had on the podcast, also named Dave or David, author David Grant, a.k.a. Sebastian Shepard, comedian Dave Hill, and also from UHF, the great David Bowe. And don't forget, Dave Rossi. When was he on? Uh, I'll have to have Frank pull it up. I, I, I'm not sure. And it's only March. Last year we cut it close, but this year we still have plenty of time left to have a few more Daves on the podcast if we want. Uh, well, let's just get... And when you look at that, 97 episodes are in the bag and still not one single guest named Ethan... I mean, I guess there's still technically time for one to show up this episode. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Speaking of our interview with Foots, our Academy Award and Emmy Award-nominated listener, Eddie Schmidt, who gave us the idea to interview Foots, he wrote on his Twitter, Glad an anecdote I recalled from a crew conversation many years ago, I built the Wheel of Fish, could lead to further studies in cinema history. We are too. Thanks again, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, Eddie. You know how Foots talked about organizing a crew versus cast softball game? I was thinking, you know, we should do that with our podcast. Okay, well, how would the teams be split? Well, it's pretty obvious. You and me on one team and our intern Frank on the other. Great idea! Frank is going down! Hey, didn't you tell me you entered some contest for Burrito Burrito? Yeah, they had this caption contest to win a, get this, Candle Candle. Now, now it was a space-themed image of an alien holding a burrito kind of thing. So this is what I wrote. I wrote, from Troy to Uranus, burrito burrito is out of this world. Feliz Naviguac. Well, did you win? No, I was robbed. Well, you know, to be fair, you did say Uranus. Well, 
This week's episode is brought to you in part by Vegan Mexican Restaurant Burrito Burrito in Troy, New York, home of the two-pound double wrapped in a quesadilla burrito burrito. Come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito, your burrito burrito. Find them at burritosquared.com and at burrito squared on Instagram. And remember, not every burrito is a burrito burrito burrito, but every burrito 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 can be burrito burritoed. From Troy to Uranus, Burrito Burrito is out of this world. Well, better luck next time, Ethan. Let's move on to this week in Weird Al related news. March 12th was the 25th anniversary of the release of Weird Al's ninth studio album, Bad Hair Day. To celebrate the momentous date, John Gurley and Zach Carruthers of Portugal the Man got together with President of the United States of America's Chris Ballou, Soul Asylum's Dave Perner, and Mike Mills from R.E.M. to trade stories about the album and discuss the legacy of Bad Hair Day and Weird Al. It was pretty obvious that at one point, Chris Ballou referenced being on our podcast. How awesome is that? Next time, please make sure to say our whole name, Chris. The video is about 52 minutes, and it was put together by the website Consequence of Sound. And I don't know, Dave, it was pretty suspicious that they got a few of these guys together to talk about Weird Al. I mean, how many people have specifically talked to Portugal the Man and Chris Ballou all about Weird Al for extended periods of time. Hmm. What a coincidence of sound. Now, I was super thrilled that Bad Hair Day is celebrating such a momentous anniversary. I mean, it is a couple years off from a true Weird Al anniversary, but I love Bad Hair Day. It was the first album I ever heard. It's one of my favorite, if not my favorite album, so it, it definitely has a special place in my heart. I have so many great memories of Bad Hair Day. And to think that Bad Hair Day was actually the very first studio album that I actually bought in stores on the day it was released. So I know what I was doing 25 years ago <laughs> last Friday. And when you bought it, was it a CD or a cassette? Do you remember? I bought the CD, but it was also available on cassette. I probably went back and got the cassette at a later date. <laughs> That's so great. Now, Dave, you and I celebrated Bad Hair Day Day by interviewing someone who performed on Bad Hair Day for a future episode. Now, this is someone who has never been interviewed before, so we are very excited for you to hear that interview. Eventually. Now, the other huge news to happen last week was on March 12th, our former guest, episode 57-inch guest, Mike Furman, released a brand new EP of kids' music called Activity Books, and none other than Weird Al appears on one of the tracks. How very cool. That track is Word Search slash Vacuum. I would love to know how Weird Al got involved in that. Well... Why don't we just ask Mike? I, I think he's still on hold from last June. All right. Yeah. Good idea. As long as we have him. Hey, Mike. You there? G guys? Oh, hey. Oh, my gosh. Oh, you know what? Oh, man. Thank you. Thank you. For, I, I almost hung up. I was literally about two more. I was like two more minutes. And then and I've said that for about a couple months. But this time I really meant it. two more minutes and I'm out. Well, thanks for hanging on this whole time since last June. We really appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, you know, you said hang on. So I don't want to. I'm a rule follower. Right. 
Oh, your brand new EP, Activity Books, you know, I've already gushed on the podcast how much I love your music, but let me just, again, gush. It is fantastic. It's 17 Thanks, minutes and four seconds of just absolute audio bliss. I'm not even a kid, and I love this music, so. <laughs> nice. You know, I was saying to uh, somebody, or I put up a post earlier, and as I was writing, I was like, you know, it's always a weird line I have to walk where it's like, I want people to enjoy this that aren't looking for kids' music. You know what I mean? Like, just people that just like weird, you know, music. Right. But, you know, it is unquestionably kid-friendly, so it's not like I'm going to be like, oh, here, grown person, listen to a song that counts from 1 to 30, to right. you know. Um, but so I just put, uh, I just said, here, you know what? Uh, have fun with this. And, uh, what? You're not a kid. Well, guess what? Imagine you heard this when you were a kid and now you can see if it still holds up. There's only five tracks, but it, it almost feels like more because there's sort of like a part one and a part two to each song. Yeah. There's kind of like nine little things happening. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, I guess tell tell us about word search slash vacuum. Tell us about working with Weird Al yet again. Uh, so this time um, was uh, really, I, I mean, uh, at the top, I got to say that it was in social distancing. So I didn't get to actually be in the room with him, but uh, he recorded at home okay. and had me on speakerphone. And I mean, it was exactly the same as he he's the most reliable, like just the coolest guy in the world. And uh, I, I, you know, I don't have a lot of people on tracks and uh, but I thought, oh, my God, it, this is this is a part that, you know, I had him um, asked him to do the voice of the street meet uh, <laughs> because I thought that's kind of a weird thing. And then for this song. <laughs> Uh, for this song, it was a matter of like, I need somebody, you know, I, I, I was going to do it of like the idea of the song is that we go through a word search. Right. And there's like all the phonemes, you know, all the little yeah. uh, bits of speech that yeah, says, yeah. as if you're reading just like a complete mess of letters. And then every now and then some of them amount to words. So, OK, great. We go through that. We do all that stuff, which already was kind of like a how am I doing this? What? Oh, God, this is this could be unlistenable this could be absolute <laughs> garbage and i i don't know we'll find out um so i so i was doing that and then got to the point of like okay i like you said there the songs are in sections so usually it's we've done a connect the dots and then what did we draw oh we drew a small, small dog in a carry-on luggage bag and then we have a little song about a carry-on dog you know right. and then uh <laughs> then there's a color by number and what what did we color oh it's a boxer and a boxing ring boxing another boxer then for this one it was uh all the words are things um honestly i've really wanted to sing a song about a vacuum for a long time for some reason (laughs) and i i really like vacuuming and uh and so uh i just had a bunch of words that would be things that get sucked up by a vacuum. And so one, you get the bonus of having like a little kid. Uh, I had a little, uh, a friend of um, my kids, a family friend who's this little girl who has the cutest voice in the world. And she is emphatically and full of joy yelling, debris! (laughs) (laughs) Just the most, you know, like all this stuff that it's fingernails. Oh, great. (laughs) And then on top of that, I'm like, you know, okay, 
if if Al would do this, that's that's who that would be the greatest thing. Not that he wouldn't be the greatest voice for just about everything, but especially the voice of you know who else is gonna scream Lint? You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> Perfectly. So, uh, but so I asked him, and and uh, and again, he's just the nicest guy, and was like, sure. And I was like, oh, okay, well, sure. Uh, and he's like, just tell me what you want. And uh, and this time, he w- I, I asked him, like, is there – could I put featuring Weird Al on this one? Because I know the first time he's like, uh, oh, yeah, because he was with his uh, – I was with my record company. And, yeah, you can do whatever you want. Like, Great. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so I got to actually put his name on it, which is huge for me. How exciting. Um, I, I wondered yeah, that but, when I saw that. I was like, I, I bet that – was because he's not on his record contract anymore. Yeah, yeah, and he and he just recorded uh, in his. You know, he we set a time called, and then I was on mute um, on speakerphone, and uh, he was in his. Uh, you know, in his house, recording into a, a some recording system, and he just went down. I sent him a list of things to say, and <laughs> yeah. he just take after take would just do like fingernails. 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 Wow. Fingernails. Fingernails. So, and it, I mean, that, it took like, I mean, it really could have been done and he could have done it in um, like a minute, you know, two minutes. But he is the hardest working guy and it was like 20 minutes. Wow. Something like that, or half hour for like 13 words, just because he would do so many takes and just goof around with it. And (laughs) my kids were in here with me and we were like crying, laughing (laughs) off of just him saying 13 words. Right. (laughs) It was the great, like the uncut audio of that is just gold. It's so great. I can imagine. Hopefully you can share that with us at some point. I would love to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Are there are there any words that didn't make the final cut that you had Al say? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know what? I'm opening my Evernote. I guess I will search on the word lint because that's not in that many. <laughs> not in that many things. Um, okay, yeah. So it was sawdust, dirt, sand. We didn't use uh, beads. We didn't use. Um, let's see. Seeds didn't use. Sugar didn't use. Uh, we did use shavings. <laughs> and uh, let's see. We did rice. We did lint. Yeah. So that was pretty. Wow. wow. Yeah. It sounds like you have enough to almost do a follow up. So yeah. You know, I, I recorded a lot of for the uh, other songs. I ended up getting a lot of um, because I wasn't sure what the next thing would be. So I was thinking, oh, I'll just have my uh, and my son and uh, my niece. Um, while you're here, why don't we just record a whole bunch of like, hey, it's a whatevers, you know? And so right. I have all these like, I'm, I'm basically, I'm going to next week, I think. I've been animating these little connect the dots, basic little connect the dots things that amount to just some random thing like, hey, it's a bowl of toothpicks. You know, and then and that's it. It'll be like a 30 second long thing. It'll just count up and be like, hey, it's tweezers. So yeah, I got I've got so, I've got a whole bunch of those. Like, hey, it's a double broiler. Hey, it's a nose hair trimmer. Hey, it's a selection of meats. Hey. <laughs> So, yeah, those have been fun. It's a tongue squeegee. Wow. 
Yeah, we got lots of those. It's amazing. Yeah. Hey, Mike, where can we pick up this new EP, Activity Books? That is available uh, everywhere. You can go to my website, Mike Furman, uh, spelled like it doesn't sound, uh, unfortunately. Um, yeah, such a bummer. I had my chance. I could have just called myself something cool, you know. But nope. Um, but yeah, so uh, you can either, I think chickenmonkeyduck.com still takes you there. But if you just go to mikefurman.com, it's on there. And it's on Spotify, and it's on Apple, and it's on Amazon. It's on I, whatever company. It's on Doritos. It's on whatever company name. <laughs> Every company now has a web a music thing. So yeah, right. it's on Nike. Right. It's on it's on Virgin Atlantic. It's on, I don't know. <laughs> Great. It's on Buick. It's on, yeah. Well, Mike, are we going to get a physical release of this album? Uh, I don't have any plan to right now, only because even the one, you know, even even the songs to sing at children, um, I pressed a bunch of CDs, and then the intention is to sell them at shows, and then uh, the coronavirus happened. And right. so I've got all these CDs sitting here, and I don't know what the story is for upcoming live shows. So right now, it's just going to be digital, and that's also, like, the most convenient for, I think, people you know these days anyway um yeah yeah no physical really other than you know you 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 have to hit play still no you don't (laughs) i can literally say alexa play connect the dots luggage dog that's it that's all i have to do (laughs) it's playing can't you pronounce my name right now alexa stop i've heard it Dave and I, we absolutely love Mike Furman's activity books available now. Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, MikeFurman.com, ChickenMonkeyDuck.com. Check it out. You are not going to be disappointed. And you get to hear Weird Al scream shavings and lint. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for, for popping in and joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Mike, if you wouldn't mind, just hang on hold for a little bit and we'll get back to you shortly. Yeah, sure. No problem. Okay, great. Thank you. Sure. All right. Well, now that Mike's back on hold... I think it's time that we get to this week's scheduled interview. The Arrogant Worms are at the top of my all-time favorite comedy bands. I own all their albums. I've seen them perform more times than any band outside of Weird Al himself. I've traveled to faraway places such as New Jersey, Pennsylvania, (laughs) Connecticut, and even Toronto to see them perform live. They're one of my favorite bands to perform live. And this year they will be celebrating 30 years together as a band. So it is our great pleasure to welcome Trevor Strong of the Arrogant Worms to the podcast. Hey, Trevor, how are you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, we're doing great. Yeah. Thank you so yeah, okay. much for joining us. Okay. Good. Good. So exciting. I mean, in the you know echelon of all time legendary comedy musicians, you know Weird Al is obviously up there, but Arrogant Worms is up there too. It's so great to have you on the podcast. We know there's a lot of crossover. A lot of our listeners are, of course, diehard Arrogant Worms fans, too. Okay. (laughs) I would love if you could just, Trevor, please tell us a little bit about yourself to introduce yourself to our audience. Oh, about myself. Okay, so (laughs) I guess I've been been in the Arrogant Worms for 30, 30 years. Oh, my God. 30 years. We've been doing that for 30 years. Uh, I'm one of the original members. Uh, two, two of us are original members and 
Chris in the group, he's, he's new. He's only been in the band for 27 years. <laughs> and uh, he's still breaking him in. He's still breaking him in. He's going to, we'll make him a full member. I don't know, maybe, maybe another 10, 15 years. Um, so I've been doing that. Besides that, what do I do? I've written several books. I've, uh, I have a book called Barry Grimm Fairy Tales, which are, well, the title is, I, I like titles that tell you what you're getting. They're very grim fairy tales. <laughs> I have a self-help book called Get Stupid. And I have a novel called Edgar, Edgar Gets Going to Rise and Fall and Rise and Fall of a ver, uh, of a fairly decent bass player. So I do some writing too. What else do I do? And I do teaching. I teach comedy courses. I'm teaching two of them right now. Wow. And wow. yeah. And I've been doing more solo stuff since the Arrogant Worms haven't been allowed to tour anywhere on uh on uh, the internet, which I discovered right. during this, this pandemic. Yeah. Welcome. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, and so yeah, Trevor talks it through. That's, that's my latest show. Yeah. There we go. Phew. Okay, got it in there. So Trevor, tell us how the arrogant worm started. And also how have you guys been able to stay together for 30 years? Cause that is no small feat. Yeah. Well, we started in university, so I, I'm, I'm living in Kingston and that's where we all met. Uh, I, uh, I moved back a while ago. But we all met at University in Kingston, Ontario, at Queen's University. And we were all in a, there was a campus group that would do um, kind of comedy cabarets at the engineering pub called the Queen's Players. And so we all, the original bunch all met there. And then a couple of, a bunch of us started doing like um, sketch comedy, uh, recording that for the campus radio station. And I had a friend who had a show Sunday midnight to 2 a.m. And so that that was the kind of the basic clump. And then it was originally a bunch of people. And then it got down to really four of us who showed up regularly. And then Mike had a song that we thought would be good on to put on um, uh, the national radio broadcaster, CBC, Canadian, mm-hmm. Canadian Broadcast Corporation. And we sent it in. And then they said they'd play it, and they asked us what the name of the group was, and we didn't have a name. We weren't a group yet. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> uh, so then we came up with the name, and then from there we started to do a little more. Uh, we started to, to do more stuff and sent the tapes off to k- different campuses. And then one place said, well, when are you guys touring? Went touring? That sounds interesting. So then we started <laughs> trying to get some gigs. And then what did we do after? Yeah, then we started touring more and more. We did like a lot of pubs and campus bars. And uh, sketch comedy doesn't work very well when people are drunk. Right. Um, <laughs> whereas, whereas songs, even if they're not listening, you're still playing a song, and they might not even notice that what you're doing is comedy, but you do survive the night. <laughs> so gradually, we got rid of the songs, and then we ended up just being musical comedy. That's kind of the kind of the thing. Yeah. Cool. So, do you want me to go to part two now? How did we survive so long together? Yes. Um, so uh, we've always known – one thing is we've all, that we've had is we've always known what the group was. So, like, we know we, – all of us know what a song is that is an Arrogant Worm song, right? So we never push something that isn't that. We just do that somewhere else. Okay. Um, and then, yeah. Uh, but uh, – so that helps. And the other thing is, you know, we've never um, pretended that uh, – that all of us had to be best friends or anything like, so I mean, we're friendly and all that, but uh, whenever we see a group where the band would all um, hug together before every show, <laughs> like we do folk festivals, I always knew that that band would be broken up within the year. So, uh, <laughs> uh, Cause you got to respect Like if you're too, like, you know what I mean? So, 
so we've always been good at respecting each other. Just and we all we all do stuff outside the group too, which I think is is uh, is always good as well. So Trevor, what are some of your early comedy musical influences? Ah, well, uh, of course Weird Al, who I would hear on the uh, Doctor Mental show and then later saw on uh, videos all over the place. Uh, uh, he was definitely he was definitely in there. But my I would say my major ones were the albums that my my parents had hanging around the house. So they had um I think pretty much all of Tom Lair. Mm. Um mm-hmm. A lot of Monty oh, yeah. Python, which I also watched on television, but we had the albums. We had at least one or two of the albums as well. And Beyond the Fringe, that was an English group with Dudley uh, Moore, a bunch of other <laughs> English comedians. Oh, yeah. um, so those were, I think those were a lot of like uh, the big influences. Uh, the Muppet Show was another major I would say, influence <laughs> yeah. on me as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I would think those that kind of that kind of follow. Oh, and um, Second City, SCTV, mm-hmm. was another big influence on me. They didn't do a lot of musical stuff, but they were still uh, their style of comedy. I think is pretty, kind of pretty similar to to kind of the 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 tone of the comedy we do. Now, were you already performing and doing music before you started with the Arrogant Worms, or was it sort of something you adapted once you guys? met up uh i had the only thing i had done i'd been in one musical the pirates of Penzance, where i played a policeman and had no lines uh <laughs> and then then i did queen's players and the queen's did so no i've done I, I besides the queen's players and the arrogant worms i'd done nothing i'd done i'd done nothing before being, the arrogant worms started wow. uh wow. yeah mike had been in some bands around campus and then chris i think did a lot of like theater stuff in high school but I, uh, I, I did no, almost pretty much nothing beforehand. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I didn't start singing till I was nineteen. And playing guitar and other instruments. No, I, I, I started writing comedy songs before I played guitar. I wow. learned guitar so I could play the song. Oh, cool. Yeah, I had no, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. I still don't really, but um, <laughs> yeah, as you could tell by the development of the group, we really, it was not well thought out um, or pl- plotted very well. We just kind of started doing stuff, and then whatever works, we try to do more of that stuff. That was as close as we got to a plan. So I don't know that I realized that Dr. Demento could be heard in Canada. Was it difficult to to listen to that? I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. He would be. He would. His show would be put on. Just certain radio stations, I think, would like um, buy the half hour or an hour of it or something like that. Okay. Um, so, so it was, it was spotty. Like it'd be, I don't remember what station I heard it on, but obviously there was some station that played it sometime. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it was that kind of thing. I think they would just, you know, it, it was like, it was hard to find, but obviously there, I think I have vague recollections unless I've totally deluded myself, but I'm pretty sure, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that there was, I think pretty sure there was a local station that would put it on, you know, one time a week at some really bad hour like you know <laughs> you had to had to wait for it yeah <laughs> right <laughs> now was dr demento show your first exposure to weird Al's music from what i can recall i mean my, my memory is fuzzy but i i'm pretty sure i heard i heard some of the songs before he did the videos but once again like going back that far is that's a stretch for me but i think so i'm pretty sure but i wouldn't i wouldn't have i wouldn't have known like i wouldn't have been listening to the names right so i would have just been listening to the funny songs at that time yeah right i wouldn't have been yeah 
And what about the first time Arrogant Worms was on the Dr. Demento show? Yes. Yeah, so which I can't even remember what song he played first. The one that he played that, that got a lot of traction was Caratuse's Murder. Um, <laughs> right. Don't, I don't think that was the first, but that was like the song of the year like back in 95 or 6. That was wow. when we peaked way back then. Yeah. That was, <laughs> and then it's all been just a slow downhill ride since then. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But I, I can't. I actually can't remember what the first song was that he played. That's a good question. Um, oh, wow. But it was good. It was good. It got us. You know, before before that, we never really got any play outside of uh, Canada. So that was really good to kind of start to get us some fans outside uh, of the country because I mean the internet wasn't much of a thing back then. Right. So uh, it was. It was, yeah. would have been pretty much impossible for someone to have heard us who like who, who wasn't within shot of. Uh, as, you know, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation radio station on the border. I mean, <laughs> besides, right, right. Uh, so that, and it was good because it made us, you know, realize, oh, maybe other people like this outside of, out of here. So that was good too. So I looked it up on the Demented Music database, dmdb.org, which I consider the definitive uh, Dr. Demento historical website uh, run by our good friend Jeff Morris. And it, it looks like, if Jeff's uh, archives are accurate, that the first time the Arrogant Worms were played was on February 19th, 1995. And there were two songs played. Uh, one you mentioned, Caratuce's Murder. But before that was Big Fat Road Manager, also the same oh, show. Ah. Big Fat Road? I never would have guessed. It makes sense hearing <laughs> it, but yeah, I wouldn't have guessed. That was the first one. Okay. Okay, so those are both off of our second album. So, yeah, I don't know if we didn't send. Maybe we didn't even get around to sending the first album to him because it sounds like it must have occurred to us at the second. I was like, oh, maybe we can send it somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, good for us. Yep. Yeah, always learning. So, was it after being on the Doctor Mentor show that you guys toured outside of Canada for the first time? Well, our first real time was. I think a little before that, we did the Orlando Fringe Festival. Oh, okay. So just when we were getting going, we were trying to find places to play, and we heard about the Fringe Festival circuit. That's uh, it's it's like it's it's a a, fest, a theater type of festival, but anyone can apply. You don't have to be good; you just have to send <laughs> your money in. <laughs> um, and we were we were like too late for a bunch of the festivals, but Orlando was new, and so they were. They were taking every, anyone at the last minute or something like that. So we, we played there, and I think that was in 93 or 94, so probably just before that. Wow. Um, but I think that was, okay. that was our first I think that was our first time playing in the States with the Orlando Fringe. I'm pretty sure that's right. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And of course, Florida just is a magical land for Canadians. We, just, <laughs> we have to, like, like moth to the flame. <laughs> I would be jumping ahead here a little bit, but uh, I've seen you guys perform, I mentioned, several times all around where I live in New Jersey and in this area, as well as in Canada. And I noticed that there's a trend when you guys perform that generally Mike McCormick, he's wearing green and Chris mm-hmm. Patterson is wearing blue and you yep. are almost always wearing red. So is there any yeah. significance behind those colors? No, that was just as close as we ever got to some idea of costuming. Um, <laughs> now, it's just, now it's just our shoes. Our shoes are the only things that are, we, I, I wear red shoes and that, that's, a, that's all that's left of, of that brilliant idea. <laughs> yeah. So we've, see, we've never had management or, you know, people like that. So, 
we just always just kind of stumble along on our own. So that, that was our attempt to to bring some, you know, a little a little professionalism to the act. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I didn't know what I was expecting there for the answer, but that was great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no significance whatsoever. I like red. It's my favorite color. Yeah, I always choose it first. If I'm playing a board game, I always choose red. I get really upset if somebody else takes it first. Oh, that's, yeah. <laughs> what if there isn't red? What is your second board game color? Oh, uh, then it doesn't matter. Oh, it's really? irrelevant. I don't care. If, okay. if it's not red, then <laughs> I, I just don't give it. It's, I mean... The, the night's already ruined for me anyhow, right. so I, I'll, just, I'll just grab what I don't care after that. Yeah, there's no second. <laughs> we're, done, we're done with my early life? Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> good. There's a couple of scandals in there, but I'm glad you guys just... <laughs> I want, there is a scandal I do... Wait, no, we don't have any scandals. That's why we don't oh, get any publicity. Uh, there is a scandal I do want to ask you about, and, and maybe I'll ask about it now since you brought it up. Uh, sure, that, yeah. So, what can you tell us about the events of February 26, 2000? Now, for our listeners who might not be aware what that is, the Arrogant Worms, they were playing in Kansas City, and there was a oh. local church that put out these these leaflets when you guys were there and I'm going to read, you know, what they called you. They called you quote, satanic examples of the perverted culture from quote, the cancerous blob of putrid matter atop the U S. <laughs> so <laughs> metastasizing, I think is in there. Metastasizing atop the U S was in one of oh, the quotations. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So what was that all about? Well, that was that. Uh, I can't remember the name of that church. They, they're the bunch that they like. They protest uh, everything. Like, they're, what are they anyway? They're they're fairly they're they're well known of showing up at. Oh, is it the um, Westboro protesting. Baptist? Yes, that's the run. Yeah, that's the bunch. <laughs> so um, we had no idea who they were, and we were actually kind of excited because we'd never had protests before, and we were all <laughs> up and, and and but we could tell that the people at the theater were just kind of. Like, like, oh, there's a protest. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we know. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, aren't you like, uh, like, oh, no, no, they're here every week. And it was just like, oh, really? So, like, didn't, didn't, aren't they upset at us? No, no, they didn't even listen to the music. Like, they're only protesting because they're Canadian. Like, what? Is that a thing? So it was a little just like, it was exciting for us to get it, but they, they didn't even listen to our music. They weren't even protesting anything actually that we'd done. They didn't bother. <laughs> It's just that they were against they were against Canada that week. I don't even know why. Some something I don't know. I have but uh, but yeah yeah they just but they I guess they showed up to protest all sorts of um, random um, stuff. Just angry people. Uh, wow. uh, it, yeah yeah yeah. So I, I I you know it was kind of, it was too bad. I, I we were hoping that they would have been offended personally by us but that wasn't the case they just assumed you were satanists they didn't actually do their homework they didn't do their homework they didn't bother doing their homework no research no 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 so you know what i mean it's just like it's just like oh okay well, you didn't, they didn't even take the time they didn't even take the time they hate us personally that's all <laughs> yeah and I guess to clarify for our listeners who might not have ever heard an Arrogant Worms song, you guys play extremely clean your music. I mean, there's definitely subjects, you know, that, that, mm -hmm. you, know, that you touch upon that are, you know, a little bit out there, you know, but they're along the lines of the same kind of stuff that Weird Al, you know, might sing about as well. So for the most part, you guys are very clean cut. You know, yeah, your yeah. performances are very family friendly. Yeah. 
yeah, like yeah, I, yeah, we're pretty much we're pretty much in the same same camp as as Weird Al, I'd say, especially yeah. like his original, his, like especially like his original songs. Sometimes the ideas are twisted, but the language is always clean. Yeah, right. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> now, one thing that I found really awesome is that you guys have performed with an orchestra on a number of times, and I know fans of Weird Al will know. In 2019, he did an entire tour of touring with an orchestra. Where did that idea originally come from? Well, I think every band that has ever existed has had the idea of, hey, we should play with an orchestra. <laughs> um, <laughs> the hard part of the idea is getting the orchestra. That's actually ended up being the tricky part. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, we thought, hey, we should play with an orchestra. And it's like, yeah, okay. Uh, but our agent at the time finally found an orchestra that was willing to do it. So, um so yeah, so we had it. So we once an orchestra committed, then we had to go off and find someone to write all the music for them to play. Else uh, it would have just be, looked ridiculous yeah. with us playing in front of them and them doing nothing. Because I guess they just don't jam. Like you just can't say <laughs> play along, watch Mike for the changes. That doesn't work with an orchestra. We didn't know that. Um, yeah, so then we found a guy who who was. Uh, uh, not only reasonably priced and good, but extremely quick, which was good because we'd left it to the last minute, of course. Um, <laughs> so he managed to get all the charts done, and then we got to play with the symphony. Wow. Um, yeah, so it was with Edmonton, the Edmonton Symphony. I don't know if they still have this reputation, but at the time they were they were like one of the more open to um, like you know all the symphonies say, oh no, we need to expand our audience. And but I never really seemed to follow up that much with it. But the Edmonton Symphony did. They would do a lot of shows with um, different acts and even us. So uh, yeah, so they agreed. And once they agreed, <laughs> that meant that we, you know, could go ahead and uh, spend all the money we were going to get to actually write up all the charts. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I know you guys did like a, a TV special with that, but did you do more than just that? Did you guys tour with them or do multiple shows? No, uh, we ended up doing over the years maybe five symphony shows. Okay. Uh, maybe yeah, five or six. We haven't done one in years. Um, yeah, it's it, like getting into symphonies is a whole other deal. Like uh, they all have their own politics and their own things going on, and to get and and like you know, like I said, every band wants to play with the symphony, so uh, to get into one is is kind of tricky. So we we had a good we had a good, half decent run getting into some, and then I think. Uh, our freshness value was gone, you know. Um, so I still love the charts in my basement. So if you guys know any symphonies out there, uh, we're, I, I can just ship the charts to them. Yeah. We can start this up again. Yeah. And tell me about on the TV special, Nathan Fillion and Tom Cavanaugh are included. Yeah. Yeah. So on the, so the, we had a, there's a producer guy who, you know, got all the stuff together for the filming. And he said, well, we should get as many celebrities as we can. And we said, well, okay, um, well, who would that be? He said, well, you guys must have some connections to somebody. Uh, so Nathan, uh, who, I, who my Trevor talked through last week was on, he is uh, from Edmonton. And he used to do um, improv at Rapid Fire Theater, uh, which was a place where we played quite frequently in our early years in Edmonton. And I met Nathan uh, before, any, you know, when he was just an improv guy mm -hmm. in Orlando, which I was talking about before, at the Orlando Fringe Festival, because that's where Canadians meet each other. Um, so, <laughs> uh, and so we weren't, uh, so we, we kind of knew him. We, we never knew him uh, super well, but we knew a lot of people, a lot of our friends 
were friends of his. And he happened to, we were filming it uh, just after Christmas, and he, he happened to be visiting his parents at Christmas. And so we managed to track him down and say, hey, could you just film some stuff for us? And I think <laughs> him being a, a good Canadian boy, probably wanted to say no, but he was just too polite to turn it down. So, so yeah, so that was, that was after his pizza show, whatever, five monkeys, two girls, and a pizza. No, something like that. He was after that show. <laughs> it was before Firefly, I think. Okay. So, uh, so he was, I think he was slight, had a slightly more open calendar than he would nowadays. Right. <laughs> um, and then, uh, Mr. Cavanaugh was uh, new Mike from university. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. They were all, they were all buddies. Yep. Oh. And we actually saw him at our last show before the COVID came in Vancouver last year. Oh, wow. So uh, we, we, we see him about it. We see him every couple of years. He still pops up. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. So yeah, we just dragged in uh, whoever we had these tenuous connections to. <laughs> uh, we, had Kurt Brown, we had Kurt Browning, who was a figure skater as well. Because he he played one of he used one of our songs for one of the skating routines once, so we called him up and I don't know why he agreed, but he agreed. Once again, I think it's just <laughs> the good thing about Canadians, right? Like they don't want to be rude. So <laughs> yeah, 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 oh, God, I guess I'll do it. I'm, yep. How much are you paying me? Nothing. Oh. <laughs> Which song was it? Uh, he did "Christmas Is Almost Here." Uh, Kurt Browning. He did one of his Christmas. Um, wow. Oh, okay. Christmas special. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Which we knew nothing about till we saw it. Somebody showed it to us. Like, what? This is wow. Yeah, <laughs> I did not see that coming. So those are the, the celebrities we got, and and of course we got my mom as well. She was a little easier to secure. Um, <laughs> yeah, she, I'm, I'm sure she had a big rider, and you know, it was difficult. Oh no, no, actually, she was a, she yeah. was yeah, she was a disaster, total diva <laughs> backstage. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> then also the show where the astronaut was the special guest as well. Yeah, yeah, Chris Hadfield, our astronaut friend. Yes, Chris Hadfield. Uh, yes, yeah, yes. yeah. So uh, he brought our one of our albums up to space. He was a big fan. Yeah. Apparently, he used to play our songs like when he was doing astronaut training, and he would go off to wow. like to, to like the jam at the bar, <laughs> and he would go play our tune. And wow. sometimes he would sometimes he would sing the happy, happy birthday songs for his astronaut buddies on their birthday. <laughs> oh, <laughs> cool. is that weird? Wow. That's yeah. So amazing. Yeah. There How you go. cool. <laughs> yeah. So he was on that too. We just played him uh, an event for his birthday a couple of years ago as well. So oh, nice. Got, yeah. yeah. So we got to sing with him on stage, which was nice. Wow, that's really cool. And that wasn't the only time that you guys were played in space, because I understand that on the Space Shuttle Endeavor, one of your songs was used as the wake-up song for the astronauts on the space shuttle as well. Yeah, yeah, because for, for, like, for their morning alarm, they get the, each astronaut, I guess, gets to do a pick, and uh, uh, Chris Hadfield picked uh, Dangerous to wake up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's when I was being very confused. <laughs> mm -hmm, yeah, so I've, yeah, I've, got, I've had some weird things happen in my life. Yep. When did you find out about the songs being used in space? Uh, it was shortly thereafter. Someone, I can't remember, someone sent us a link. Somebody had heard of it. And then you can check up on the the official NASA um, uh, like reports, like, uh, captain's log of it. They, they, like there's, there's a site that has all that official NASA <laughs> stuff, and it's it was it's in there. It's uh, it, you know like in militaries, you know the morning song played at the hour was there. Yeah, it's like oh, so I guess this did happen. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. And we never we never get a heads up about these things. They just happen to us. Right. Do you get royalties <laughs> when astronauts listen to your song in space? You know, I I never I sh- I never put a I never really checked my royalty statement carefully. <laughs> so I'm not sure. I'm yeah. not sure if we do or not. Uh, yeah, I wonder if copyright still exists off of Earth. That's something you need to look into. Yeah, well, <laughs> some sometimes they say like the rights for this uh, in the region and the forever in all eternity across the universe. Like sometimes you put stuff like that. So maybe I don't know if we have that in our contract. Right, or not. you better make sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, from now on, we're putting across the universe. Right. Okay. In every contract. <laughs> Well, and you got to get, get the multiverse in there just in case. Oh, you know, see? Yeah, I'm not thinking big enough. <laughs> well, I'm thinking, right. you know, t- Tom Cavanaugh's role in The Flash, you know. We have to uh, right. consider that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, fortunately, uh, the arrogant worms can not only be heard in outer space, but they can also be heard here on Earth, so that we're very happy about that. Uh, <laughs> And one of my favorite things to do when we're allowed to is to go out and see live concerts. And the Arrogant Worms, I'll tell you, I'm going to gush a little bit, but you guys put on such a fun live show that, you know, I've I've dragged you know, people along. I've said, you have to see these people, and they've always left as fans. I think I introduced Ethan to you guys not that long ago as well. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, he hasn't seen you guys live, but he's, he's become an instant fan as well. So he tell us a little bit about just the Arrogant Worms you know when you're allowed to perform you know what your concerts are like yeah so like live shows are really our thing um uh so like that's what we like doing best i think that's what we're best at mm-hmm. um but we like a lot of it is from the kind of the very loose style we started off with back doing campus shows and then we did uh several years of a lot of street performing mm-hmm. and, and uh, if you're performing doing street performing you really have to get people's attention so we kind of developed this style um, where we would sing a song and then between songs, we would just kind of ramble on and try to get anyone's attention. That <laughs> right. we could. And, and that's, and that's become the show. Right. <laughs> uh, like uh, we, we don't write any of the material for between the songs. Some of it becomes stock eventually. Like if we get a laugh, you might write right. it. Uh, but uh, most of the time I'd say 70% of our banter is just made up um, on the spot. <laughs> Um, and we just like we just ramble on and hopefully something funny happens sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't but at least it's keeps things fresh and uh it helps us from going insane i don't really understand how there's some performers especially in comedy where they do the they have an act and it's the act and they you know they get it exactly how they want it and they do the same thing every night and i just go mad so It's just like, like, I don't understand actors on Broadway. I go like, how do you like, okay, you've done the show. That's great. What are you going to do next? I'm going to do the next uh, same show. Oh, really? Yeah. For 10 years. What? Like, really? Oh my God. <laughs> Why? Why would you do that? Um, yeah. So it keeps things fresh for us. And we, uh, we like to involve the audience. You've got several. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Songs as well. And, uh, and sometimes it's most, sometimes the show is the most fun when things kind of go off the rails. So, 
Yeah. I definitely love the audience participation songs. I mean, some of my favorites. I I loved when I first heard the song live, Rippy the Gator. And that's just, to me, is one of the funniest audience participation songs that there could be. And then, of course, <laughs> Mounted Animal Nature Trail as well is a great uh, <laughs> song where you yes. do get the, get the audience involved as well. Yeah, yeah. We like to have fun. <laughs> so I'm curious about how the collaboration works between the three of you, you know, do you split up songwriting duties? Do you write together? You know, what is that process like? Um, no, we usually don't write together. Um, but I used to do a lot of writing with John who was in the group before Chris came along. We used to do a fair bit of co-writing. Uh, but what we do now is we mostly write separately, but we'll send the songs to each other. And if we're doing an album or something like that, we might edit, uh, help edit the song. Um, okay. Occasionally what's happened, we'll have a song and somebody will get stuck and we'll just pass it to somebody else. That happens every every now and then. Oh, cool. Um, hmm. Yeah, yeah. we sometimes do stuff like that. Uh, but for the, for the most part, I'd say like 75% of the time, is one person writing the song and then bringing it to the group. Okay. Um, and then we kind of work it up. To, and then we work it up together. And then when it comes to putting an album together, is it like our let's each have 33.3% of the songs or is it just sort of whatever is available at that time? In uh, Yes and yes. So okay. <laughs> in, usually, it depends on how many songs we have. Like if we have enough songs, we don't have enough songs and everything goes on. And then if we have too many songs, then we just kind of, kind of divvy it up fairly evenly. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but like in the early years, whatever, pretty much whatever we wrote ended up on an album. Oh, cool. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah. I, there's only there's a few there's a few lost songs. Um, I played a couple of them on my my uh, show a couple of weeks ago, and I may play a couple of others. Uh, I, my next Trevor talks with her is going to have a the history of the worms part two. Cool. So I might find I might be able to I might be oh, able to cool. find a couple of other songs that uh, never made it anywhere. Oh, that's exciting! I go through all the crap in my basement. <laughs> Well, while we're on the subject, tell us about Trevor Talks It Through. Oh, okay. So I just, uh, I had a, I had a podcast. Remember when people did podcasts? Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, uh, so I, I did a little podcast years ago and decided to start up something like that again. I, uh, I was just doing, I was trying out streaming on Twitch. And so I was kind of doing different types of shows. And the one of them just ended up turning into more of a show than like a Twitch thing. So I just decided to bring back Trevor talks it through, but more as a, more as with me um, doing a show. So preparing stuff and every week the people watching the show vote on, give, give topics for the next show. And then they vote on it. Whatever they vote on is the topic for the next show. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I never have to decide, which is good. <laughs> <laughs> and so you actually recently did a whole show about Weird Al. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the recent ones they voted for Weird Al, he won in a landslide, by the way. He just, yeah. He just destroyed the others. Uh, one of the other suggestions was carburetors, which is, you know, a strong choice, but it was just <laughs> blown, blown out of the water. Uh, yeah, so I did a Weird Al, uh, I did a Weird Al one, which was good because although I knew all of the songs that everyone knew, I never actually had any Weird Al albums. I don't know why I never got a Weird Al, but I never actually had like the album. So I only really knew the big songs. I yeah. knew all the big songs. Yeah, yeah. And, but for, uh, right. For this one, I asked every like I asked on the internet, like, "What do you guys want me to learn?" And they kept on naming these songs. I was like, "What? What?" And some of them I kind of heard of. I did watch UHF like uh, like a lot of times. Yeah. Um, but um, 
so I started learning more of the, most of the ones I played were the originals. Um, so that was, that was good. Cause I, I didn't, I wasn't as familiar with the originals. And then one of the ones that everyone was asking me to learn was the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. Yes. And then oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I, I remembered hearing it. And I went, okay, that one's amusing. It's kind of a folk song. That'll be really easy for me to learn. So I <laughs> told them that I would learn it. And then I started, then I listened to the song again and I was like, Oh my God, this is, this is impossible. It goes on forever. <laughs> the, the rhythm of the like the rhythm is totally random. Some of the verses are like ten lines long. Some of them are four. It changes like it was like oh my god, that was a hard song to learn. It's so hard, it's so long. It took so much time, but I did it. I I finally did it. Man, that was like it goes on forever. That song. Most of all, though, he's just he just he just randomly. Because he's parodying folk songs, he's randomly shoving words in everywhere, and the meter is all over the place, which he's doing on purpose. Because usually he, he lines things up purposely, but since he was making fun of folk right, songs, right. they're really, really <laughs> right. all over the. It's, and it's, re, it's really hard to, to to do it like he did it. Right, man, that was so much work. God, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So I, I did that. So that was that was good. That was a good good experience for me. Well, I definitely recommend if our listeners haven't seen it yet to check out Trevor Talks It Through episode 105. It's on YouTube. It's all about Weird Al. And uh, you also do covers of My Bologna, I Love Rocky Road, Another One Rides the Bus, and Melanie on the show as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Melanie was much easier to learn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> much quicker. Didn't take too long. <laughs> So now, in addition to this, you know, live show podcast, you're doing a lot of other cool things, including shows over Zoom. How does that work? Yeah, so I, I just started that up a few months ago too. Um, I thought, oh, I need because I wanted to do some shows. So uh, this one here, so I, I just tell people that they can hire me, and then they can have up to twenty people, them and twenty, uh, twenty of their friends zoom in, and so I just do it over Zoom, and so it's more like. Um, Instead of the streams, which, I mean, I can read the comments, but I can't really interact. It's just, it's more like a, an interactive show. Okay. I can talk to people in between the songs. Oh, nice. and, I, and they can request all the songs that they want, and they can bring the friends. Uh, and so it's kind of it's kind of relaxed, and, and it is, it's not quite like being live in a venue, but it's not too far off. It's been working pretty well. I'm very happy. Cool. Yeah, with it. Yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah, so that's been pretty good. I'm enjoying that. So has the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota made it into uh, the songs that they can request yet? <laughs> no, not yet. Because I, I also I, every Friday I do an all request live stream on Twitch, right. and, um, and you can always get do Facebook and uh, and YouTube. But um, yep. and I haven't put it up there yet. I'm thinking of it, <laughs> but because uh, I, I, I haven't because it's so hard but at the same time i spent too much, so much time learning it yeah that I, I really should put it back up there right so i probably i probably will yeah i'll probably will it's not up there at the moment if someone hired me i would i would do the song for sure yeah like for a zoom show i would definitely do it yeah wow. but uh, yeah we'll see now, looking at the discography of the Arrogant Worms, you know, there's mostly studio albums, but also a couple live albums. What is the reason behind doing a studio versus a live album? Uh, well, we started doing the live albums because that's what we thought people did. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we were, we were new and it's like, we have to do an album. How do we do an album when you go to a studio? Okay, so let's go to a studio. Yeah, that's, so that's kind of how we did that. 
Um, but then we decided, uh, like the, the second one, Russell Schultz has a couple of live songs recorded. Um, we started to twig in that, you know, there's more energy in a live concert. Um, mm-hmm. so then we kind of did some of one and some of the other, because they're different. They give you different things you can do. The live ones get more of a feel of a concert, right. and then, but the, the, the studio, what give you a lot more room to play with, um, the arrangements and the instruments yeah, yeah. and you can, you can, and we, cause we, do, we don't do specific parodies, but we do parody styles of music and that's much easier to do in a studio when you can actually, you know, doing the, the Celtic parody and you can actually bring in a real fiddle player right. to make it sound more right. authentic. So it can be funnier that way. So they both have their uh, pluses and minuses. So we just mm-hmm. like to kind of shake them up. I have no idea what the next album will be, but it will do a live yeah. in a studio. <laughs> <laughs> on your patreon page you're also putting out fan funded songs can you tell us a little bit about the idea behind the fan funded songs and what exactly they are yeah so uh i guess three years ago we started doing this uh we wanted to try to get we want more material to go out but at the same time we don't want to always be recording albums so yeah um, i had done a patreon before that putting out songs which were just basically arrogant worm songs and then i just uh, we, we had a talk and we said no this would make more sense to just do it as an arrogant worms thing um, and it was actually pretty hard to write one song a month that was of any quality so now <laughs> we we made it an arrogant worms thing and so each month we put we post a song um and the people who are patrons get to hear it first uh but then we make it available to, to, to whoever wants to hear it um but it uh, it helps us get keep writing material and also it gets it out there without having to do all of you know all of the hassle of doing an album and I don't even know what albums are anymore or if they're needed or it's very confusing right <laughs> digital age whether you even need them um, so it's really helpful to have that way of doing it and of course you don't make any money selling albums anymore anyway because uh, people just stream them so this is a good way to get let people help us do that and get the money to that, that we can make the time to record songs uh, by having the people who, you know, really want to support us, support us. Yeah. Yeah. And you have uh, a, a separate Patreon too um, for the Trevor Talks It Through. Yeah. I just launched that a couple of weeks ago just because I want, I want to be able to keep doing it. So it's for, it's for the Trevor Talks It Through and also I'm trying to write more very grim fairy tales as well. Yes. Um, so I, I don't yeah. really need a ton of people, but I just want to get enough people so that I can, well, first of all, it makes me do something every month and I want to be able to keep the show going and be able to justify spending the time doing it. Mm-hmm. So, um, and cause on Twitch, you know, you can ask for donations, but it seemed, which is fine for doing the request show, but doing the show show, it just seems weird. It was just feeling weird, like halfway through the show. Hey, give me some money. It's like, oh, okay. it's a weird thing to do in a talk show, isn't it? It's fine. You know what I mean? They all request show. It's like you're in a piano bar and you got the glass. Right. And everyone right. expects that. But it was just, it was just, it just wasn't vibing with the, uh, with doing a, a regular kind of talk show. So I decided to start up the Patreon, see if I could get a, get some folks to support that so I could uh, keep the show going. You mentioned very grim fairy tales and some of the other books you've written. I'm really interested to hear more about your writing. Okay, well, I, I've my goal has always been to be a writer. I perform because I have some way to get writing out usually. Um, so whenever I can, I I, tr- I try to write stuff. So uh, the first book I put out was "Get Stupid with the Ignorance Is Bliss" program, <laughs> and 
so that's the parody of a self-help book. Yeah. <laughs> um, although the sad thing is, it would act. It would actually work. Um, it, <laughs> As opposed to an actual self-help book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it would actually work. So, uh, so I put that out first, and then I put out the the Grim Fairy Tales, which I've been working on, picking away at for years and years and years, actually since the beginning of the Worms. Um, and those are all just really uh, nasty fairy tales with the death and just amusing death, amusing death <laughs> right, and destruction. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, they're, they're, they're darker than most of the worm stuff. Um, I mean, they're kind of like Rippy the Gator in darkness. They're all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then I finally, then I wrote the novel, which is about a bass player. Uh, it's a little more involved, but it's uh, mostly funny. And there's, there are several bands in it. So at the end, there are lyrics to about 20 made up songs. Um, that one. And then I've also been working, I was working on a kid's book, which I have a draft ready, but I have to work on it more called uh, Stanley the Stinky Fairy. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> which, which really has, yeah, which, doesn't that sound like it's great? Yeah. It's all about, yeah. It's all about the faulty fairies of all the fairy. Like it was because my daughter years ago was reading all those stupid fairy books and every, you know, uh, you know, Fiona, the, the flora fairy and like the rain, the rainbow fairy. And it's like, Oh my God, what about all the fairies for all the yucky stuff? So then I, yeah. So I want to rewrite that too. And so, yeah. So hopefully if I get some support on the Patreon, it'll give me some more time to, to work on uh, uh, another draft of that one. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I got lots of ideas. I just gotta, you know, always time. Yeah. Right. Right. (laughs) Well, Trevor, I, I do have a, I do have an ulterior motive for getting you on the podcast. Uh, back in 1999, I drove up to Toronto to catch the album release party for the Dirt album. Oh, okay. While I was up there, a, a great show, but I had gotten a parking ticket uh, in the city of Hamilton um, earlier that day or maybe the day before. And uh, I figured that, you know, since I was up to see the Arrogant Worms, I was hoping that maybe you guys could help me pay off my parking ticket. Okay. So I presented the parking ticket to you after the concert, and you guys were very nice about it, and you signed it for me, and I still have it with me, but I'm hoping that maybe after all these years, you wouldn't mind sending me the $55 Canadian so I can finally pay off this parking ticket. uh... (laughs) Oh, no, you know what? I'm pretty sure we sent that to you. (laughs) Yeah, I think think you need to go through your files. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure. I'm certain, actually. Yeah, no, we had our people look after that immediately. Immediately after the show, I, I know I'm certain. Now. It sounds like there's been some sort of clerical error on, on your side, so uh, you might want to fire your assistant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's probably intern Frank. Right, our intern Frank is gonna get a, is gonna get quite a scolding for this one for not telling me uh, that this has been taken care of already. Yeah, we know we took care of that. I'm, I'm, yeah, no, I'm sure we did. <laughs> Now, on the Arrogant Worms website, uh, you guys have, you know, some of the typical merchandise, you know, like T-shirts and hats and that kind of stuff, CDs. Yeah. Uh, but I think maybe the greatest bit of band merch I've ever seen is the Vegetable Scream Machine, the official Arrogant Worms salad <laughs> spinner. <laughs> yes. When did you guys come out with that? <laughs> well, well, I we have a, a guy in town in Kingston who helps us out. Uh, Chris Moore, he helps us out with uh, uh, st- 
stuff and uh and i he was over at my place and we were trying to figure out some new merch because because cds aren't selling much anymore so we needed to expand our line and he said something i don't even know what he was trying to say but i thought he said salad spinner <laughs> i guess he didn't say salad okay. spinner, but he said this and i said and i turned to him and i went salad spinner that's brilliant and he went i didn't say salad spinner <laughs> I said, oh. <laughs> Well, it's still a great idea. And he said, yeah, that is a great idea. I'm, let's order some salad spinner. Yep. So it's another one of those examples of us just not knowing what the hell we're doing. Um, but yeah, so once there was, it was, it was actually no one's actual idea. So now we have salad spinners. And it, it was a great idea because they're currently sold out on the website. So they're obviously very popular. Yeah, they're pretty, they're pretty awesome. The salad spinners. Yeah, I think we've decided only to sell them, only to sell them on live shows to make them more special. Now, because I still have some in my attic somewhere, yeah, uh, waiting for the next tour. <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> have you guys had other unique merchandise like that over the years? Uh, well, uh, we I, I rediscovered when I was preparing for one of the history of the worm shows that one of our initial I don't think we we didn't use it as merch; it was more of um, promotion. I think that's what we thought we were going to get from. It. We had a uh, um, these cardboard uh, printouts that you'd fold, and they would form a box of a box of dirt, carrying <laughs> yeah, worms box of dirt, and we had the list of ingredients on it and our phone number. I'm surprised we got any gigs at all. So this was one of our early promotional promotional items. That's incredible. Yeah, really, really clever bunch. <laughs> Yeah, besides that, nothing, oh. nothing, nothing, I can't think of any other exciting ones. I think that's the only other one that was really out there. You probably really could sell boxes of dirt, though. I, I mean, I, I feel like I would have to buy one if I saw that at a merch booth. You know what? Yeah, we, we should go do it again. Like, the markup on that would be great. Yeah, you just, <laughs> you know, fold We don't some even boxes. have to bring the dirt with us. <laughs> bring the boxes, find dirt wherever we're going. Put that in your rider. I just need a bag of dirt <laughs> <laughs> bag of dirt. Like, what, what's wrong with these guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe we should revive that. Yeah, so many, so many great ideas. Yeah. <laughs> well, so you know, in the Weird Al community, Dave and I are, are obviously known as these super fans, and and we both have these you know insane collections of everything from you know Weird Al's albums to merchandise to really anything he's ever right. been on. And I'm wondering, are there Dave and Ethan's? of the arrogant worms community are there fans who just have absolutely everything and go to every show well i see a lot of the same people i don't know if they have everything or not i mean a lot of them there are people who definitely have every album yeah um but yeah i'm not sure i'm not sure if, i don't know if we have there, there must be a couple of super, super collectors but i'm yeah i'm not really sure i know that when we did um we did a crowd funding thing for one of her albums, and I had one of the uh, when I, when 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 the numbers were slowing down, I I, I figured out I could just I could just say uh, uh, basement surprise, and so <laughs> at a certain funding level, they just got a random a random bit of worm past from my basement, and that actually <laughs> it sold out surprisingly quickly, which wow. I was shocked by. Yeah, it was, and wow. everyone got a basement surprise. So, like, I had old passes in there and stuff like that, or like, um, but yeah. So, so somebody must like it. That's awesome. <laughs> 
I do have a small collection of uh, arrogant worm stuff that I collected over the year. Concert booklets, uh, flyers, and a few pieces of merchandise. But I'm nowhere uh, near the uh, raiding through your basement type of collector on that (laughs) quite yet. Uh, Right. Okay. Well, if you're ever in town, let me know. (laughs) All right. Great. (laughs) You did mention that crowdfunding thing that you did. And I don't think I went for something out of your basement, but I do remember I did support that. And you guys did write write me a song and I'm and I don't remember what what the song is at the moment but uh, in the song you had asked us to please provide some information about yourself so I sent a, a few uh, tidbits and you guys put it to music from me but one thing that I had said is I had said that I'm the proud parent of three cats and in the song you actually said uh, four cats Oh. So now I had the internal struggle of should I let you guys know that you know it's a uh, Three cats, it's really three cats instead of four cats, or should I just go out and adopt the fourth cat? So I'm wondering if you could uh, help me out here. What is easier for you guys to rewrite that song for me or for me just to go to the uh, local pet adoption agency and pick up another cat? Well, you can't have enough cats, so it's right. pretty obvious what, you're, what the solution is there. So I, I guess a no-brainer. And, like, and no one can call you. Like, no one can say, that. why did you get another cat? Why are you going? They say I have another cat, so I just gotta, I gotta make, I gotta make right by them, right? These guys paid my ticket, you know. They paid my parking ticket, and I, and I accused them of not doing that. So I, I'm, at least I could do is get another cat, right? I think you've convinced me. I will. Uh, I will soon be adding a fourth cat to uh, good to my household. <laughs> if you have any suggestions for names, I, I'm I'm uh, open to them as well. Oh, I don't know. Uh, maybe parking violation would be a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Although violation actually, now I'm thinking a violation is a good cat name. That is a cool cat name. <laughs> that <laughs> That's cool what they do name. all the time. <laughs> Well, Trevor, you just you just adopted a couple new cats. Yeah, yeah. So I had a cat who made it to about twenty years old, and he died Whoa. a while ago. Oh so no! Got two. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, that yeah, was pretty. And we couldn't get another cat because he was a crazy alpha cat. And even though he had no claws or teeth, he would have <laughs> tried to kill any other cat we brought within a mile of our Aww. house. So we couldn't. We so as long as he was going, it was like we can't have more than him because he like. He refused. He loved being loved by people, but he hated other hated other cats. Mm. Hated them. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so then, over just before Christmas, we we got two cats. We got one cat first, and the other one. And they're both uh, they're both apparently feral when they're feral kittens. But man, they they don't have a lot of that left in them. Yeah. <laughs> they, <laughs> they they learn they learn to live live the house life pretty quickly. Uh, although the the one cat loves to. Would likes to drink like water that isn't clean or like out of like if you have like a bowl that you put some water into to let it sit he'll drink that water and stuff like that oh. uh, or out of the tub I think it's because that's how we drank water when you was a kitten you know oh the, yeah okay ditch, the ditch kitten yeah yeah so that's the one that's the one habit he has he prefers to drink like filthy water <laughs> and random. It's like, what are you doing you can drink real water right like, no man no. <laughs> No, man, I got to stay real. I got to keep it real. I'm from the street. Um, yeah, that's the one That's the one thing he does. Yeah. Oh, he also eats endlessly. And if there's any food out, he just, it's like he's never going to see food again. Aw. Yeah, yeah. 
Besides that, though, the other guy is totally not like he's yeah, ever lived in the streets. So, yeah. <laughs> now, you're also teaching some comedy courses? Yeah, I'm teaching. Uh, I've been teaching. I do a lot of teaching, and I did uh, just started doing teaching comedy courses online. I've taught them in person before, but now that oh, cool. you can't do that. Uh, so I started doing them online last May. And at the moment, I'm teaching two. So I'm teaching an introduction to comedy writing and then a comedy writing the sequel so that people have taken the introduction <laughs> one. Um, yeah, it's lots of fun. And I keep it to 12 people uh, on Zoom so that it's interactive. It's not like a it's not like a, a talk and listen one. It's doing lots of exercises and writing okay. stuff and presenting stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I really like doing that. Super fun. <laughs> is it like stand-up comedy? Is it, you know, humorous stories or is it, music it's all of that it's introduction to like so coming up with comedy ideas that's kind of all the same yeah so i touch on stand-up and music and sketch in the introduction course uh and but but it mainly and then we we watch comedy clips hmm. especially ones that the class people in the class pick and we analyze how how and why they're funny and oh, how cool. they work hmm. and all the all the technical elements behind uh taking an idea and making it funny and maximizing the funniness so um, nice. I warned them ahead of time that after they take the course, they won't be able to view comedy the same way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> instead of seeing something funny and laughing, they'll see something funny and they'll go, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> now, aside from the stuff with uh, Arrogant Worms and, and comedy music, have you done any traditional stand-up? Uh, no. Stand-up? I've done lots of... Not traditional stand-up. I've yeah. done lots of me as a guy performing solo, singing songs, or I've done lots of posting. Yeah. But I've never done what would be considered stand-up, like nowadays stand-up, mm -hmm. getting up there and talking about stuff. It's never, I don't know, it's never been my thing. I like writing, I like hiding behind characters and stories, <laughs> um, I think is what it is. I'm not, I'm not the guy that, I mean, I guess some stand-ups don't really talk about themselves, but most of them, most of them, their images, their act. Um, yeah. So it's just never been my it's never been my deal. Hmm. Um, so I haven't done that. But I do a lot of solo performing. But yeah. I wouldn't call it stand. And I talk and I do all that kind of stuff. But I wouldn't call it like what what you would think of as as a stand up show. No. <laughs> I, I did want to mention for any arrogant worms collectors who may also be weird out collectors, there are some two for ones that you can pick up. There is a Doctor Demento compilation album that both the Arrogant Worms and Weird Al is on, including a couple Doctor Demento basement tapes. And Trevor, I was wondering, what is the process of when you guys were on the Dr. Demento basement tapes? Would he just contact you and be like, can I put a song on my basement tape? Or how does that work? Yeah, I'm trying to recall. I think it was um, the record company. I think it was Oleo Records. Oh, no, okay. no, he was in Rhino too, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, but whatever the record company, no, Rhino. I think it was on Rhino. Rhino. Um, and, and they would just, they just send us a little letter and saying, uh, we'd like to put you on the album. Can you sign this and this and this? And we would sign this and this and this <laughs> uh, for the universe and beyond of the multiverse. And then, uh, <laughs> and then we'd start receiving these small little checks about every four months nice. for a little while. And then they stopped coming. Eventually they stopped coming, but yeah, we got paid. We actually got money. Oh, that's so that great. Good. That's awesome. Uh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we did not, not a lot, but you know, like, uh, what did I have to do? I just had to sign a piece of paper. Right. You didn't have to read it. Didn't even bother. <laughs> uh, we were, yeah, were we on more than one or were we just on the, I 
think. You're on the one, but then on one. there was like a fan club exclusive uh, CDs that Doctor Demento okay. would send out. You're on a, a couple of those. Yeah, as well. I seem to recall there was a. I seem to recall there was some other one that was also involved. But yeah, I know there was. There was the one that we got checks for for sure. Right. <laughs> yeah, Doctor Demento's 30th anniversary collection, Dementia 2000. You're on there. Uh, the same exact disc, disc two, with another one rides the bus and also Caratus's murder. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, oh, sorry, don't want to get any copyright trouble. Sorry, I shouldn't sing anything on the air. Oh, okay. You can delete that later. <laughs> I think we'll be fine. <laughs> I don't think Alex okay. okay. I'm not worried about that. <laughs> okay, phew, okay. Feel free to break out in song anytime. Okay. Well, Trevor, this has been really awesome getting to hear about your career, both your solo career and your Arrogant Worms career. People who are looking to hire you for a, a concert to get more information about Trevor Talks It Through, your comedy classes, your books, can head over to trevorstrong.org. And, of course, uh, once yep. the salad spinners potentially get back in stock um, <laughs> and for other Arrogant Worms information, they can head over to arrogantworms.com. That's right. Uh, Trevor, this has really been awesome getting to chat with you. Well, thanks. Thanks for, uh, thanks for giving me a call. You know, it's good to, it's good to be talked to. Thank you, Trevor. I'm so happy we finally got Trevor Strong to join us on the podcast. Yes, that was awesome, Trevor. Thank you so much. Well, Dave, we've been teasing it. There is a special big news announcement. Are you ready to share it? I sure am, Cooney. I'm excited to share with all of you that I have finally tracked down a copy of We Married Margot on DVD. I am just so excited to watch it. Uh. Dave, the the other big news? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As faithful followers of our podcast will know, we are approaching the two-year anniversary of the podcast on May 8th. To celebrate, we will be hosting a free virtual Zoom concert for Patreon supporters starring none other than Trevor Strong. This amazing concert will be held on Saturday, May 8th. That's our actual two-year anniversary starting at 8 p.m. Burrito Burrito time and 5 p.m. Hollywood Star time. All Patreon supporters and their families at the Internet Leaks level, which is the $5 tier or above, are invited to join us for no extra cost. Not a Patreon supporter yet or not at the $5 level or above? It's not too late! Join now or upgrade now for an invite to this exclusive concert event. Plus, you get to support the podcast and get all the other perks of being a member of our Patreon family. Now, Patreon family, RSVPs are required as slots are limited. So make sure you let Frank know at frank at 2000inch.com as soon as possible if you plan to attend. And if you're not a Patreon supporter yet and you want to attend, those slots are going to go fast. So be sure to sign up now and reserve your spot at patreon.com slash 2000 inch. Trevor will be performing some pretty amazing songs. You do not want to miss it. I've seen my fair share of Arrogant Worms concerts and we are all in for a real treat. It's so exciting. I can't believe we're coming up on two whole years. I know that is so exciting. This week's episode is brought to you in part by Discover Darwin, promoting tourism in Darwin, Minnesota. Not only is historic Darwin, Minnesota um, beautiful, it's also broasted. Darwin, Minnesota is home to V's Grill and Pub, the best chicken joint in all of Darwin. Ashley M. gave V's five stars and said it was the best 
effing chicken I've ever had. As it should be, the specialty at V's Grill and Pub is broasted chicken. Mmm, broasted chicken. Uh, Dave, I've been a vegetarian for like 27 years. What is broasted chicken? I have no idea. Jay also gave it five stars and said, Great place to eat friendly service. Eat friendly service? I thought they served chicken. I'm pretty sure Jay meant to include a comma. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Lonnie Stromum gave it four stars and said, My mom and dad ate there and loved it. Well, as long as Lonnie's mom and dad gave it their thumbs up, that's good enough for me. So visit Darwin, Minnesota on your next expedition. Discover Darwin more than just a twine ball. And after you visit Darwin, Minnesota, be sure to visit discoverdarwin.biz. Each week, we're able to bring you this podcast absolutely free thanks to sponsors like Burrito Burrito, Angel Valenzuela, and his son David Cash, Discover Darwin, Jackson Scoggins, and our amazing close personal friend Patreon supporters, Jeff, Javier, Kenneth, Jared, Zeb, Mark, Blair, and Allison. We also give thanks to our newest supporter, Jake, and everyone else in our Patreon family. Revenue from our incredible supporters on Patreon.com slash 2000inch allows us to continue doing what we love, which is making fantastically fun, funny, and family-friendly Weird Al podcasts for you each and every week. We'd absolutely appreciate your consideration in joining our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family for as little as $1 per month. And remember, all of our Patreon supporters at the $5 and above tier get to join us at our two-year anniversary concert starring Trevor Strong of the Arrogant Worms on Saturday, May 8th. If you're not a Patreon supporter yet and you want to attend, be sure to sign up now and reserve your spot. Looking for another way to support the podcast? Head over to shop.2000inch.com for official Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al podcast merchandise, including t-shirts, tote bags, mugs, tank tops, face coverings, pillows, and so much more. Find us online at weirdalpodcast.com or 2000inch.com where you can find information about our guests and listen to past episodes like episode 57inch where we interviewed Mike Furman about his comedy music and recording songs with Weird Al. Please join our Facebook group by heading to group.2000inch.com for episode discussions and other exclusive content. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 2000inch and at youtube.2000inch.com. Be sure to share our posts and tell your friends to gill and chill. We sure love it when you leave us voicemail on our 27-hour-a-day podcast hotline, 347 Spatula. Give it a call. You might even hear your message on the air. The 347 Spatula hotline, the official hotline of Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, is sponsored by Angel Valenzuela and David Cash, two amazing Weird Al fans and podcast supporters. You can catch our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or the podcast app of your choice. Whichever you choose, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you do not miss a single episode when they drop every Wednesday. Soon we will begin airing our series of bonus episodes where we sit down with John Bermuda Schwartz and go page by page, picture by picture, inch by inch, MC by MC through his book, Black and White and Weird All Over. Time is running out for you to grab that book if you want to be able to follow along with those episodes. Plus, it's legitimately a great gift to give someone to celebrate Jim Kimo West winning his first ever Grammy Award. Thank you once again to our guests Trevor Strong and to Mike Furman, as well as Jeff Morris, Eddie Schmidt, 
all the Daves we know, the Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West for our incredible theme song, and thanks to all of our listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters and sponsors, and everyone else who made this episode and podcast possible. Next week, we interview Joel Miller on the podcast. Is what we will say next week on episode 99-inch. Because he's on episode 100-inch. That was Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 98-inch. The podcast with a theme song by a Grammy Award winner. How, how, how many episodes do you guys do a month? Every week we put out a brand new episode. Wow. So eventually you're going to have to go into the Weird Al multiverse to find more stories. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> other, well, other dimensions. <laughs> dimensions where he became a blue singer and they sing, <laughs> swearing, cussing. Yeah.